Man, appreciate that so much. We're uh, looking forward to continuing our series together as um, we've been working through this Invite Your One um, Tom Rayner series as we really prepare and gear up for, for Easter up ahead. But uh, we're going to be in Romans 12 today, so if you have your Bible and like to turn there, uh, Romans 12. Um, I do have it on the, the screen as well today, so if you don't have it, you can look up on there. And uh, that, that should be coming up here in a moment. But uh, Romans 12, we're going to be looking uh, together through uh, verses 1 through 8 here. And uh, if you'd follow along as I read it aloud. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the challenge that your word gives to our heart today. And Father, we, we pray that we would be ready to receive it. Father, we ask that you would do a work in our hearts Change us and mold us into the image of Jesus Christ. Father, do a spiritual work. One that man can't conjure up. Father, one that cannot occur just by simple study, but one in which your Holy Spirit works and challenges our spirit, our hearts, our mind, our inner man. That we would take truth and, and apply it to life. Father, we know that you have the power to change lives today. We ask for that for both each other and ourselves. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. message this morning is a simple one, a greater church. We think about what God would have for us uh, here as, as Grace Baptists and just the church in general. We want to be a place in which God is at work, right? Where, where lives are being changed, where hearts are being challenged. And, and as we think about a local church and local church ministry, what, what does it what does it actually mean to be involved in, in a local church? You know, so many people serve in different ways, right? So many people uh, serve in, in various ways, and whether it's work days or, or beautiful flowers or different things that, that we are blessed with here, um, we, we enjoy the, the music and folks who do the songs and the PowerPoints and get those ready every week. We, we know that there is a, a service involved, and... Why does that happen? Well, it's, it's pretty simple. The, the worship of God leads to service. That, that's just what happens. When you worship God and you worship who he is, uh, you're going to serve him. You're going to want to serve him. Right? True worship will always lead to service. And, and we could put it this way. What you worship is what you will serve. 
right? You, you, the, the thing that you will serve is going to be the thing that you worship. And so it, it doesn't matter whether we're talking from the standpoint of, of within the church or even the world itself, uh, what you ascribe worth to, right? And that's the heart of, of what worship is, right? Ascribing worth to something, it is worth-ship. <laughs> and, and, and so whatever you ascribe worth to or value to, that is what you will serve. And so whether, whether that is uh, sports and the local Little League team or, or whatever, uh, if that's what you value, that's what you'll serve. That's what you'll be doing. That's what you'll put your time into. Um, if, it's, if it's the uh, TV shows and programs that you like, that's where you'll spend your time. Right? That's where you're gonna. That's what you're going to serve. Um, if it's the Lord, then you'll serve Him. And and it's it's very simple. What what you worship is what you will serve. And so, in, in the Book of Romans here, we we see the same thing. Whatever you worship, whatever you are ascribing value to, what whatever you are setting down, what maybe we would say your sacrifice toward. Right, your giving yourself, sacrificing toward, well, that's, that's where your, your service will be. So Romans 12, 1 through 2, that, that's referring to worship. The end of the section here, 3 through 8, that's serving. And so we're going to work through this together. So uh, let's start off, Romans 12, 1. I, I beseech you, therefore, and let's just pause there. What's the therefore? What is it therefore? Um, I heard someone uh, always say this, uh, a preacher, every time he, he would come to therefore, he said, if you see a therefore, you need to pause and think, what is it there for? Right? He would say that. And, um, and, and, and so what, what, is this, what is this talking about? Well, all of the truth that Paul has just laid out in chapters 1 through 11, all of, all of that truth, all of that instruction about who God is and, and what serving him lo- looks like, all of those things, well... If you take that truth and apply it, then you're going to, to live it out. And so if, if you accept all of that te- truth and teaching and instruction from chapters 1 through 11, obviously we're not going to go through that today, right? It, based on that truth, you're going to live it out uh, in this way. And, and so this is what the Christian life will look like. So let's keep going here in, in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, all the, all the truth that Paul has just instructed us on on 1 through 11, now that's going to lead us to living it out. How are we going to live it out? Well, we, we need to offer up some worship to God. And, and that is that we ourselves become a living sacrifice. Now, that, that's a paradox, right? How do, you, how do you be a living sacrifice? A, a sacrifice, by nature, is, is something that, that is killed, right? It's something that, that, that dies. And um, as you think about that, that uh, living sacrifice, right, how do, you, how do you be a living sacrifice? Well, one of the ways we can describe this, the idea is to, to die to yourself over and over again, <laughs> I heard someone say once this time that the problem with the living sacrifice is that sometimes it crawls off the altar, right? I mean, you know, they, they offer themselves to the Lord, and they want to be a living sacrifice to God. God, use my life. Take me and use me, and, and they're on the altar, whatever you want. And, 
but, but it's a living sacrifice that crawls off the altar. <laughs> that, that's sometimes what happens, and that's the reality of, of, of I, I would think, our, our hearts today, right? There are times when we grow colder toward the Lord and, and colder than, than what we should be. So what, what does a living sacrifice do? A living sacrifice dies to self over and over and over again so that our lives would be used and, and used by God. So as we think about this, we're talking about the need to die to self, what, what we're describing is, is the fact, okay, this life isn't my own. This, this life isn't here for my enjoyment, my pleasure, to serve me. This life is one that belongs to God. And when I serve him as a believer, guess what? I get joy and I get benefits and all those things come. But the life, my life is about giving it over to God. It's not about, okay, this is what I want. Because I... I hate to tell you this, but the, the things that I naturally want, the things that my flesh wants, the things that on my own I want, are not usually very pleasing to God. The, the, those things usually are not very pleasing to God. In fact, I have to say no to me and say, God, what do you want? How would you have me to use my life? This life belongs to you. And so, so the, the idea of a living sacrifice is I am dying to self. I'm saying, God, I don't have the right to choose how to live how I want. Uh, my responsibility is to live how you would want, have me to live. And so I, I'm going to give up my life, my desires, my wants, and instead insert your desires, your wishes, your wants, and we're going to do things your way. And, and that's, that's what a living sacrifice is. You know, you notice in this verse, in, in verse 1 here, um, there are certain words that show up, right? Beseech you, who, brethren, plural, right? Described there. Uh, present your bodies plural there, okay, so we're, we're talking about within the church, various people who are doing this, and, and what is the end result? Well, you present it how? As a living sacrifice singular, right? So lots of people carrying out this sacrifice singular. We're, we're not all just certain, simply making our individual sacrifices, although God would have us to die to self, but this is about something bigger. This is about something bigger. And, and the heart of it is found in the church itself. right? It, the church itself is a partnership of individuals who have said, my life is not my own, it belongs to Jesus, and, and I am going to give it up for the sake of God so that together we will accomplish something. Right? We will accomplish something together. And so the, the goal is the same. Believers in a local church have the same goal. They have the same desire of laying down their own desires, their own wish, for a sacrifice that is common to all. There's a lot of people um, within the church, and we have a lot of people here who are from a lot of different backgrounds. Okay? We, we've, got, we've got different countries represented uh, we've got different areas represented. Uh, we've got different types of occupations represented. Um, and, and, you know, all kinds of different various things represented within our congregation. And, and I, I praise the Lord for that. Right? As we think about what a greater church looks like, right? a, a greater church, a stronger church, is one in which uh, there's a great deal of diversity, a great deal of differences. 
Uh, Romans 12.4 puts it this way, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. All right, so different people look differently and do different things and serve in different ways, and that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, we, we, if everybody looked the same, it doesn't work, right? If, if everybody can only do the same thing, it doesn't work. Uh, we, we need different people who can do different things to serve the Lord all for one purpose, right? One common goal. We describe this uh, need as you have different folks doing different things is that the, the different roles doesn't make one more important than the other. Just look ahead to verse 5 here. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. So different responsibilities, different offices, different things that are being done, and yet all of it is working together for the whole. And so we have, we need diversity, but we also need humility, right? We need humility in, in our approach. And so the, these two parts are key to becoming a, a greater church, a stronger church. Humility and diversity. You know, we, we just finished uh, the series in Sunday school going through the Church of Revelation. All right, guess what? Churches have problems. <laughs> right? There is no perfect church here on the earth. There's no such thing. Churches have problems. And, um, and, and it doesn't matter what church you go to. Every church you go to will have some sort of problem. Right? It, it's not just them out there. It's us here. We're, we're not perfect. Right? How do I know? I'm here. <laughs> I know we're not perfect because I'm here. Right? If, if you had a perfect church, you'd have to start by kicking me out. I, I mean, that, that would be your first step toward getting a, a more perfect church. Right? I mean, that, that's, that's just the simple, simple reality. And so when, when we think about churches, we're, we're not perfect, but we want to grow. Right? We want to be strengthened. We want to be more Christ-like. We want to do a better job in fulfilling the mission and the calling that he has for us. And, and two aspects that we see over and over again toward that are the need for humility. Hey, it's not all about me. Right? It's about that goal, and it's not about my desires. I've got to die to self. got to be a living sacrifice in order to fulfill the mission. And as we think about the need in this area, uh, how, how, one of the ways that we improve in this area is we increase in terms of adding to our diversity. And, and there's a certain aspect of humility that comes with that as well. And so we're going we're gonna to look through these things uh, together as we break down those two points. First point is this, humility strips away selfishness. Uh, if we're going to be a selfless church, right, one of the, one of the things that self, uh, selfless churches do is they're willing to make personal sacrifices for the sake of one more. Right? And we've been doing this series, Invite Your One. The idea is simple. Um, when, when I think about my local church and my local congregation, guess what? We have needs. And we have things where there are places and opportunities where we could serve the Lord better. And the way in which we maybe need to serve the Lord better might mean that we need somebody else to come in here who's gifted. Uh, there, there's an aspect of humility there. Hey, I, I don't know if we as a group can handle this ourselves. God's brought this group together, but guess what? We may need somebody else who can help in this area. 
And uh, praise the Lord if God brings somebody who's gifted in that area. I, I'm thankful that, that we have so many folks who are gifted in so many different ways. Right? But could we get stronger? Sure. Sure, we could get stronger. True humility involves the realization that God doesn't owe me anything. Okay, there's nothing that God owes me. Right? Now, what do I owe him? I owe him everything. Right? I owe him everything. And so God doesn't owe me anything. God owes me nothing. I owe God everything. And, and pride itself is the opposite of humility. It, it is just the opposite of that. Humility depends on God. Right? Humility means I put others first. Pride means I depend on myself. So, okay, I got this. <laughs> you know, how many times do we say, I got this, that we fall flat on our face? Right? You know, pride cometh before fall. You ever experienced that in your life? I, mean, I, I have, <laughs> right? You, you start talking, you start saying, oh, don't worry about it, I got this. And then, whatever it is, it comes up. You know, I... I, I, I have been humbled the last four weeks as I've been dealing with illness. And, and I'm like, God, why'd you give me this body? <laughs> why'd you give me this body? I, I, I mean, don't, shouldn't I be accomplishing something more for you during this time? What, why are you doing this to me? And, uh, you, you know, we, we go through those things. What does God owe me? He owes me nothing. Right? He owes me nothing. Not, not a thing. Romans 12, verse 3, puts it this way. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Right? Don't, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. That's humility. That, that's the need of the church. Don't, don't think of, of yourself greater than you are. Guess what? I'm dust. Right? I'm dust. Humble people are not selfish people. Selfish people are not humble people. And so we, we, we need to come to that realization, that understanding in our mind. Galatians 6 verse 3 uh, describes it this way. Um, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. There's a uh, description in here uh, that, that uh, a, a, really a commentary regarding this verse. and uh, put, put it this way, it, it, it is possible to be theologically sound and at the same time, and I'm going to change the word, biblically foolish. Okay, biblically foolish. It's possible to be the, theologically sound and yet biblically foolish. And, and how do you do that? Well, you know it all in your head, and then you live like a fool. <laughs> that, that, that's how you do that. You, you have the answer, but you live like a fool. I, I think this is one of the, the particularly sad things, right, that, that we see sometimes in, in church where, you know, it's like, okay, I, I need to know, know more. What, what do you need more? I need to know God better, right? And I, I just, I need to know God better. Do we want to know God better? Yeah, we, we ought to know God better. But if it's only up here, and it's never lived out, there's something seriously deficient in our knowledge of who God is. Because God doesn't just care that I have knowledge about what He's like. All that knowledge about what He's like ought to be lived out through my life. 
Or, or else, guess what? I, I didn't really understand it. I, I didn't really understand it to begin with. You know, there, there, are, there are folks who can, can, can open up the Bible and, and walk you through the great doctrines of the Bible. And some of them don't even know the Lord. Right? So, some of them don't, don't even know the Savior. Some of them don't even believe it's true. And, and yet they can walk you through that head knowledge. There, there are others who know the Lord. And, and they read the scripture and they study the scripture. They faithfully do their devotions every morning. And yet when it comes to living life that looks like a Christian, there is every excuse under the sun as to why they cannot sacrifice personally in these areas. Right? My, uh, well, my, my job, I just go to work. Right? That's, that's my job, and I study, and I, I try to love the Lord. Well, well, that's good, but do you tell anybody about him? Because I'm pretty sure he had something to say about that. Oh, yeah, I understand. He, he had something to say about it. Well, what are you doing in that regard? Well, uh, let me tell you what the Great Commission says. <laughs> I know you know what it says. Are you doing it? Are you living it out? That's a sad thing, isn't it? I mean, to have all of the knowledge, to have all of the understanding, and to never do it? I mean, can you imagine having a child, and he can recite all of the rules of the house? He just doesn't actually carry any of them out, right? He knows every single one of them. And, and he looks at you, and he says, Mom and Dad, guess what? Here's the list, the ten rules on the refrigerator. Let me tell you what they all say. Didn't I do good? Did you clean your room? Well, no. Did you make your bed? No. But I can tell you the whole list of the rules. What's happening? If, if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. Our, our spiritual gifts are only productive if, if they're running on humility, right? If, if they're being carried out on humility. And, and there's, there's no one exempt from the, the need to, to live with humility in the church. Um, as, we, as we look back at this verse, who, who was the responsibility here, right? It, it, it's grace given unto me to, who, to every man, everyone. The responsibility is to everyone not to think of themselves more highly than they ought. Everyone should live in humility. So the, the question comes up, how do we strip away this selfishness that is so common, I think, if we're honest, in all of our lives? You know, if you, if you want to know uh, who, who it is that, that we most care about most easily, right, we just look in the mirror, right? That, that, that's who we often love first. And that, that's, that's a sad reality, but it is reality. And the first aspect of this is, is, is very simple. Uh, humility begins with grace. And so as we, we describe what this is, uh, here in, in Romans uh, twelve three, beginning of that verse says, uh, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that's among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought, Humility begins with grace. What is grace? We hear the term often unmerited favor. It's receiving something that we do not deserve. And so when, when we receive something that we do not deserve, unmerited favor from an unobligated giver, in other words, God didn't have to give us anything and yet he chose to, 
we, we need to recognize that what we have comes just by the grace of God, right? It, in other words, it's not because of me. It, it's not because of me. It's, it's God's grace and God's grace alone that I have anything at all. And, and it doesn't matter whether that's a thing, right? Whether that's an object. It doesn't matter if that's a certain giftedness or ability. Whatever it is, it came from God. I mean, even something as simple as health, right? Being able to get up that day. Well, how did it come? Because I'm awesome? No. Because I worked out? No, definitely not. But how did it come? Because God gave me grace, right? He gave it to me. I, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. He, he just chose to give it. And, and he didn't owe me anything. And, 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 and so I, we, we just understand that it comes from the Lord. So, second aspect is, is this. Humility can... Uh, continues with true self-awareness. Now, this is kind of a loaded term. Let's, let's define how the scripture defines that, right? Romans 12, 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, second part, right, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we're using this term here. What we're describing is saying, okay, God, help me to see it as it is. Right? Help me to see it as it truly is. And that means an understanding both of how God works, right? The things that I have, God gave to me. It's not because I deserved it, not because I earned it. It's because of his unmerited favor. So that's the first aspect, right? The second aspect is, okay, with that, what God has given to me, he expects me to use. So, what do we do? We think soberly. We, we think in a way in which we are sober-minded. The, the idea is to, to simply consider things as they are. Right? We, we want to see things as they are. And so... What happened? Humility continues with true self-awareness. God, you have made me this way. You have given me these gifts, whatever it is. How can I use them for your glory? And whether that is health, whether that is physical ability, um, you know, whether, whether we, we had, we had uh, men up on scaffolding yesterday. and uh, I don't know. So, some I don't think have been on scaffolding in a long time, but they did it, right? I mean, they did it to the glory of God. And, and you say, well, what they say, well, they say, well, okay, I, I was capable of doing that and serving the Lord. Now, they may be feeling it today, right? But, but they, they, they say, okay, God, if you, you've given me this health to be able to climb up on the side of the scaffolding and get up on top of it, and uh, I, I'm going to use that to your glory. What is that? Is that, is that pride? <laughs> Maybe a little fear and trembling in some of it. But, but what is it? Okay, God, I will use what you have given me for your glory. Third point is just simply this as we go through this aspect of how do we strip away selfishness is that selfless, selfless individuals become unified. We read verse 4 before, but for we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. The, the idea is this, we're going to look different, we're going to do things differently and because somebody's you know, doing one particular job or, or another job, we, that's okay. Right? It's supposed to look different, and different people do different things, and as people do different things, then praise the Lord, through it all, the body is strengthened. The whole body is strengthened. We understand, of course, from uh, Scripture about just the differences in, in the body, right? 
If everybody was an eye, where would the hearing be? If everybody was an ear, where would the speaking be? We, we understand what Scripture says about that, right? There, there will be different gifts and different people exercising their gifts in different ways. Uh, but, but with this, selfless individuals become unified. It's not a point of contention. It's not a point of division. God, use this for your glory. Fourth is this. Unity is in Christ and ends in grace. As we look through this together, that unity comes through Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Right, so as we, we think about that, where does the unity come? Well, we're one body in Christ. We're all unified around him. That's the common goal. That's the common purpose. And how do we, how do we actually live this out or, or carry it out? How does it end? Well, it ends in grace, right? The grace of God. And so as, as we're considering what God would have us to do, what God would have us to be, we, we realize that selfless people are self-aware people, and they don't overestimate and at the same time, they don't perhaps underestimate the value of God's gifts. Let's put it that way. Romans 12, verse 3, right? Instead, uses that term, and we talked about it before. Think soberly. Think sensibly. Don't, don't think, okay, I don't have this gift or I don't have this ability anymore, so God can't use me. Right? Recognize that God has a plan and God has a purpose. Guess what? The way God uses you at 20 years of age may look differently than the way God uses you at 60 years of age. The, the way God uses you at 30 may like, look different than the way God uses you at 70. But guess what? God can use you. Right? Because he, he has given you everything that you have. He has equipped you for service and it's not like, okay, I, stopped, I hit a certain age and then God stopped equipping me. Right? Service may look differently, but God is giving to everyone. He is giving to everyone. And so as we think about this, we have to come to the realization, okay, am I the most important person in the world? I think as a teenager we start thinking that, right? You know, we start having all these grand ideas about how I'm going to change the world. You know, oh, I'm going to be the president. Oh, I'm going to be the astronaut. Yeah, you know, whatever it is, right? Everybody look and they'll see me on TV. We 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 think through all all of those those different things. Okay, what happens? God's grace needs to break us of that selfishness, that self focus, and and in useful churches that that God uses for His glory, it's a, a group group of people who are filled with humble people who say, God, whatever I have, you gave to me. You get the glory from it. And God, help me to use these things for your glory. Right? I, I don't want this to be about me. I don't want this about me being important or anything like that. I want it to be about your glory. So we think about the, the more ones, invite your one, right? That's the, the overall theme of this series. The, the more ones that we add, the more the realization comes that, okay, we need more and more people to do the work of the ministry. We need more and more people who God has gifted in different areas and, and we could say, in a, in a sense, the, the church gains in humility because our recognition of need for greater diversity in, in gifts. 
you know, there, there are people who fill in and use their gifts in a particular way for a season. I, I've had roles like that, right? Um, I, I served at a church in Indiana before here, and they had a Christian school, and um, they needed a science teacher. They said, Who's our, who will be our chemistry teacher this year? I said, well, you know, hey, <laughs> you don't have anybody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and and they, they, they said, okay, you know, you, you, you can teach chemistry this year. So I, I don't really want to, but if, if I have to, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Well, I filled that role, right? And I have a science background. I, you know, I can handle it. The subject wasn't out, out, out too far out of the way. And we, we actually had teach students, and not all of them said that they were blessed, but there were a handful who said that they were blessed and encouraged by the class, right? And, and that's good, and God can use that, okay? And so uh, I'm thinking of one nurse now who, who in particular said, uh, I got to college, and, and I understood chemistry when I was going. Praise the Lord, right? God can use that, right? But guess what? When, when they said, okay, we have a real science teacher coming, I didn't say, how dare you displace me from this job. <laughs> right? I, I didn't say that at all. You know what I said? I said, praise the Lord. Someone gifted and called to do this job who's in this area. And, you know why? I, I was filling in, right? And I was filling in for, for that season. But, but guess what? If there's somebody better, praise the Lord. Let them come in and take it. And, and I say that about everything. I hold everything loosely. You know, whatever it is. So, when do you come to next week? Say, Pastor, I can preach better than you. Just be careful. You, next Sunday, you're up. I mean, that, that's what I'm just telling you. You know, what, whatever it is, I, whatever the job is, I, I hold it loosely, right? If someone else handles the Word of God better and can teach it, better, praise the Lord, right? I'll sit down and, and, and receive it. Praise the Lord. That's okay, right? Whatever it is, I, you know, hey, to the glory of God, whatever He had me to do. Right? And it doesn't matter whether it's cleaning bathrooms or, or up on scaffolding or painting a wall or, or, or preaching the word or, or printing bulletins. Whatever it is, right? do it to the glory of God. And guess what? If someone comes and they're better at it than I am, right? or they say, Pastor, I want to do this, praise the Lord. Take it. Right? What, what is that? Diversity, other giftedness right? is, is a sign when, when we're willing to hold things loosely is a sign of humility. And that humility has to be there in the church. I always get concerned when somebody starts saying, this is my ministry. Guess what? If it's your ministry, it's not going to accomplish much. If it's your ministry, it's not going to accomplish much. It better be the Lord's ministry. We just have the privilege of serving him. And guess what? If someone comes along better who can serve him better in that area, jump right in. Hop up there. Go ahead. It, it needs to be about serving the Lord. That's how churches are strengthened. That's how churches grow. And, and the point, too, along with this, is, is very simple, very similar idea. But the more diverse a church is, the more gifted a church is. You know, the more people there are with different gifts and abilities, the more people who, maybe we could even say specialized in a way, the, the greater the church is. Look here in 
verses 3 through 5 here. Verse 3, beginning there, for I say, Through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. One body, it's unity, right? We're all united. Different functions, diversity. Different ways of serving, different roles. And if we want a spiritually gifted church, we need to seek a diverse church. Lots of gifts, lots of abilities. This, this can be various types, right? That doesn't matter what the background is, doesn't matter the nationality, doesn't matter the ethnicity, doesn't matter, uh, doesn't matter in terms of um, how wealthy, how poor, wherever that is, that's not what's important. It doesn't matter in terms of the varying degrees of spiritual maturity, right? We all want to be maturing, but the reality is we're all somewhere in the pathway of that journey along the way. And we want those who are still immature in the faith, we want those who are mature in the faith. Right? Long-term believers, new believers, we want both. Men and women, doesn't matter. People of all generations, young, old, somewhere in between. People who are natives from Newport News and the Peninsula region and those who are transplants and those who are seasonal guests, right? Coming in just for a couple years and then on their way out. Through it all, we need diversity as a body. And, and, and that's God's plan. Right? That's God's plan. That's God's desire. So we'll conclude with just this. Christianity is about more than somehow just trying to live a good life. Right? Fortunately, I think sometimes it gets, gets put down to, to just that idea. And, and as we think about it, right, as we consider just around us, right, there, there are folks who are what we might call good and moral people out there. There are, are those who are generous. There are those who are charitable. There are those who help others. And certainly we should desire to do those things. Those aren't bad things. But the heart of the issue comes down to the why. Right? And, and within Christianity as a Christian church, why do we do those things? That should be the fuel for us. That should be the burning fire that, that causes us to, to press on. Hebrews 10.10 10 says this, but by the which, by the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What's the point here, right? What's the, the reason for this? What's the reason that we do all of this? It's Jesus. It's for this reason. And it's only Jesus. This happened once. Only Jesus could sacrifice himself once for all. We're to be a living sacrifice. We do it over and over again. But Jesus did it once. And only Jesus could do that. And it's for all all time, any person. Jesus did that. And so if we believe that, what do we do? Well, we, we live it out. And, and the goal is simple. We reach anyone and everyone. 
and, and we share the gospel and, and we invite others and say, come and meet my Savior. As they come to Christ and know the Lord, we say, come and hop on the mission, get on board, and let's serve the Lord together. So what do we do as we think about Easter coming up and we focus on the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ? We go out and we tell others about it. Invite your one. Bring your one. Say, come and and let me tell you about my my Savior. Let me tell you about my Jesus. See, that's why we need to be doing all of these things. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Father, it is powerful. It changes lives. And Father, we pray that we would be people who are challenged by our Savior, Jesus. Father, that, that he would inform all of our decisions. That we would seek to live out our lives in humility. Father, with that comes the reality that that we can't do it all. We need others. Father, I pray today that you would just impress upon our heart that this ministry is not ours, it's yours. Father, anytime we feel like a particular area of service is ours and not yours, would you just challenge our hearts right now, Lord, just to confess that? Anytime we start thinking it needs to be me, Lord. Father, I I pray right now in this moment you'd be bringing to mind any areas in our lives where where that is happening or where that's taking place. Help us, Lord, to be living sacrifices. The focus would be on you, not us. Father, we pray also that we would see the needs... And, and know that, that we as a church, a local church, have a mission and a calling and a responsibility before you. And Lord, know that, that we're not perfect in carrying out that mission. So Lord, we need others. Help us to see the need for diversity, for expanding. Uh, Father, that, that others would come in and fill in the gaps. Father, we're just thankful for how you're working and what you're doing. Pray, Lord, that you would challenge our hearts today to see these needs around us. Head bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you a chance to respond. Say, Pastor, there was a particular area in that sermon, and I need greater humility. And I just ask you to pray for me. No one's looking around. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Right all. Okay. Other. Anyone else? Anyone else? Any others? Amen. Amen. Second question. Similar idea, right? Pastor, we have needs. We have needs in our church and and things that we can do, and I see those and I recognize those, but uh, Pastor, help me to invite others, right? Invite that one who may fill that gap. Pastor, help me to live out what God has called us to do as, as the local church, as we seek to have others come in to, to be a greater church, to be a stronger church. Not, not for us, not for numbers, but for God's glory. And uh, if you just say, Pastor, God's impressed upon my heart the need to invite my one, right, to bring my one. Uh, if that's you, 
today. I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that at all? Just slip up your hand. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for these hands that have been raised today. Thank you for the power of your word working in hearts and lives. Uh, Father, we, we pray for, for greater humility. Help us to, Lord, hold things loosely knowing it's your ministry and your work and you love it and you care about it more than we ever could. Father, with that, help us to be people who want to see greater diversity, others who are within the church, fulfilling needs and expanding uh, for your glory. This will be about you. Father, we just thank you for the power of your word. It is powerful. It changes hearts and minds. Father, may we be people who take truth where we know God, but we don't stop there. We live it out for your glory. Help us to be living sacrifices. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I do want to um, just mention, Larry's going to come in and just met Larry and Rick, and um, we, we do have lunch available today, so I encourage you uh, after the service to stop by there. I also want to remind you uh, during the offering, if you could drop in your connection cards, if you have any prayer requests or anything, I can be praying for you during the week. Uh, please write that down, put that on there as well. And so I hope, hope you'll stay for lunch. Everybody's invited. And then we'll have an afternoon service at 1 p.m. Uh, afterwards. Uh, I will just mention the, um, the focus on, on the afternoon service today is, is going to be very simple. We're just going to discuss uh, an approach to sharing the gospel with people. Lots of different ways to do it. Uh, we're just going to look at one. And so um, sometimes folks say, well, I, I don't know how to share the gospel with others. But today we're going we're gonna to just walk through one way to do that. And so I hope you'll be able to stay for that at, uh, at 1 o'clock. All right, gentlemen, if you come and lead us. Let's all stand together as we sing, Just as I am, I come broke.
I'm desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms. Praise God, just as I am. Praise God, just as I am. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this chance to worship you in giving. Father, to give back a portion of that which you've blessed us with. Father, we do pray that these funds will be used for the furtherance of your kingdom. We thank especially, Lord, today of, of those who are uh, in Ukraine. Father, many, uh, many believers have, have fled. Uh, some are still in harm's way. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would protect their lives. Uh, Father, we pray that for the protection of, of the lives of those who are in uh, Ukraine today. We pray for peace, Lord. Father, we pray... Uh, also, Lord, that uh, you would be with those who are, are, are working uh, to support and, and help uh, the Ukrainian refugees. And, uh, Father, just thank you for the abundant provision uh, that you have provided through uh, churches and others uh, for that cause. Uh, Father, we thank also of, of our missionaries, the Waits, who are heading up that effort for Baptist mid-missions on the front lines in Slovakia and uh, have been selflessly giving their time uh, and labor and, and using funds from that missions agency uh, to support Ukrainian refugees. Thank you, Lord, for even their three trips to Poland uh, to support refugees in uh, Anya's home church there as well. And, uh, Father, just pray that you would continue to uphold them, give them grace. We pray for the transition for many of these uh, refugees who are learning a different language, children who are going to school for the first time and having Polish teachers in the Polish language. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would help overcome the difficulties and the challenges and that you would use it for your glory. Uh, Father, we pray that churches would be strengthened, many of whom have uh, received a greater diversity in the number of people present. But Father, in the midst of that, that you'd continue to provide unity and that you would use all of this for your glory. We pray that many souls would be saved in the midst of this hardship, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.